0: This is 1988 Tops, where every card has a story to tell. Your hosts are David McKellis and Matt Kuzma. Let's play ball. Welcome back to 1988 Tops. David, what's our card for this week? Matt, our card for this week is Oda B.
1: McDowell, number 617, outfielder for the Texas
0: Rangers. All right, Oda B. McDowell. I'm pretty sure, David, that that's how I pronounced o- to b in 1988. Although I think that, my friends, we may have also said ODibby, not knowing. Are we, are we clear on the pronunciation here? Because this is a very rare name.
1: Every pronunciation guide I found had it either Oda-B or o b But let's go with Oda-B.
0: b sounds great. And this was a suggestion from a listener.
1: Yes, listener on Twitter, at Adam Daig, ADV, said that he had recently started listening to the podcast, and he said we should do an episode on Oda B. McDowell. Wait, 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 wait,
0: It's isn't it Daigle? It looks like Daigle to me.
1: The only reason that I pronounce it like the French-Canadian hockey player <laughs> rather than Lauren Daigle is that Adam is from Baton Rouge, and... Also the business editor of the Acadian edition of The Advocate Baton Rouge.
0: We'll ask Adam here uh, to help us with pronunciation because if we're going to do an episode about Oda B. McDowell, then we want to make sure we're con- we're pronouncing your name correctly too. So so Adam suggested Oda B. McDowell. He said that he was only 5'9",
1: 165, but had power, lots of speed. Also just, I think, one of the best names and an unforgettable name.
0: Great. And I also see here in... In Adam's nomination tweet. He has a reference to a water bill story, which I I think is on the docket for us to get to. So I'm looking forward to all of that. So we'll get into Oda B. McDowell in just a second. But also, uh, we have some breaking Garth news. Looks like something just came across the transom from central Illinois, David.
1: In the Garth Orge episode, we talked about other famous Garths. And Matt, I believe you raised Jenny Garth. I don't have a news alert for Jenny Garth, but I do have Central Illinois news alerts for reasons. (laughs) Um, And Jenny Garth was in the news because she won a bunch of money on Celebrity Wheel of Fortune last week and donated it to the Central Illinois Food Bank. And I know the Central Illinois Food Bank. They do great work in central Illinois. They're based in Springfield. And Jenny Garth is a native of Urbana, so also downstate Illinois. And she raised $168,000 in that victory. So slowly moving up the list of famous Garths. She's not over Garth Brooks yet, but...
0: Since Garth Brooks already featured at an inauguration this year. So that's extending his lead in the garth universe that's true but great
1: job jenny garth and centralilfoodbank.org if you want to support central illinois food bank Uh, they're a member of feeding america so they do great work and good job jenny garth good job central illinois food bank
0: fantastic so now let's go to our card and oda b mcdowell again this is 617 Let's pull up this card on the Jumbotron. Here's Odebeef with the Texas Rangers, and we've got close-in view of of Odebeef's face. He's kind of not looking at the camera, kind of looking on, I guess. I think this is
1: the biggest head that we've had on a card.
0: Yeah, his His head head takes
1: up like a full third of this card.
0: Yeah, more. I think uh, like almost half the card is just his head and helmet. It's so big, it's covering the Rangers at the top and it could have
1: moved his head down so that you could read the team name but again i do always like the use of perspective with pictures in front of the name
0: so i gotta say you can't see anything in the background either so you cannot tell where he's at this is obviously a warm-up jersey because you can see the mesh i i think that they have kind of done O to be wrong here in the setup of this photo
1: i agree it's not one of the more interesting pictures it just looks big
0: <laughs> yeah it just looks big he has a good mustache so he's got a you know well-groomed mustache like kind of blending into almost a goatee there and a chain uh underneath his you know blue undershirt underneath the blue uniform so he looks he looks fine it's just uh i think the framing leaves a little to be desired Odie would be again an outfielder five nine one sixty Left-handed batter and thrower, drafted by the Rangers in 1984, which we'll get to in the fun fact. Born and home in Hollywood, Florida.
1: Matt, we've we talked about the pronunciation of Odeby's name. I also was looking around to see if there were any other notable people named Odeby. I don't know the background or etymology of that name at all, so shout out to listeners if you have ever met someone named Odeby. I don't know if that's like... Otis or or Odie, but I've never heard that name before and never seen it since. Odeby's dad was also named Odeby, so he is Odeby McDowell Jr. His dad, Odeby Sr., was a tile setter and ran a business in Florida.
0: As a fellow junior, I always have great respect for that because always trying to live up to your dad's accomplishments. And we didn't really mention this at the top, but Odeby's in the College Hall of Fame. He was an Olympic athlete. And it is kind of strange that I did a Google search for this name. I got through 12 pages of Google search results and still did not find another human being named Odeby whose last name wasn't McDowell. So it's it's a pretty incredible legacy that Odeby has left. Uh, we, we, you, Matt, you did find a
1: band named Odeby from Dallas, mm, Texas, so probably true. big Rangers fans. I couldn't find anything uh, even listing the name in the top 1,000 names at any point in the Social Security list. So Odeby from Hollywood, Florida. Tell us about him growing up. Odeby, as you said, Matt, was a pretty small player, only 5'9", 160. Because of his small stature, he was kind of overlooked as a younger player. He wasn't a starter on his high school team, but according to Odeby, he got a chance to pinch hit. And the first pitch, he hit over the fence, but it was a little bit foul. The next pitch, he hit to the wall, but it was caught. And after that, the coach had seen enough and decided that this guy had a good swing and enough power to play, and he started from that point on. He had a good high school career, but wasn't drafted out of high school. As a junior, he was involved in a freak accident. He was riding his bike and was hit by a moving van that turned a corner too quickly. He had to go to the hospital and had surgery to remove a ruptured spleen. At that point, he was already the defending state wrestling champ at his weight class, and the doctors told him they didn't think he could wrestle or play baseball again. As a sign of Odeby's determination and leadership, he said he was back wrestling two weeks later (laughs) because the team needed him.
0: Wow. (laughs) That's pretty tough. Wow.
1: After a ruptured spleen. As I said, he wasn't drafted out of high school, but he ended up going to college. And his parents encouraged him to go to college. They, you know, Even when he was at Miami-Dade College, he was drafted a couple times. And his parents told him, like, unless they're giving you a ridiculous amount of money, you should stay in school. So not just a couple times, he was drafted six times overall? <laughs> yes, his baseball reference page, that first biography section is ridiculous. I I didn't even put them all in the notes here because it would have added an extra page. I think he was drafted four times in his two seasons at Miami-Dade College, so he was clearly getting attention. He also got attention from the U.S. national baseball team. He played in the 1981 Japan-U.S. series, so young guy gets to travel to Japan. He said he traveled to Korea playing baseball as well played in the 1981 World Games and the Intercontinental Cup Games, winning gold in both of those tournaments for Team USA. So after a couple of years at Miami-Dade College, junior college, he transferred to Arizona State, the baseball powerhouse of the 80s. 1983 is a first-team All-American, drafted again. (laughs) He just kept saying the money's not good enough, and if he stays in school, he could raise his value. And in 1984, he raised his value a lot. He was on a team with Barry Bonds, and Odeby was the star of that Arizona State team. At the time, his nickname was Dynamite or O. And in a, what I thought is a, a cool picture, well, I will find that for the show notes, he, he wore the number zero and had his first name on the back of his jersey. So it said Odeby Zero. He's oh, like Pele. That, that is so cool. That is so cool. Odeby, oh. He said one of his proudest moments of his baseball career was this game against Stanford. His parents lived in Florida. He's playing on the West Coast. His parents come out to Tempe to see the team play. His dad tells him, knock him out of the park. And the first time up, Odeby hits a home run, and his mom says, that one's yours, to his dad. Tells him, that's yours. Second time up, Odeby hits another home run, and his mom screams that one's mine
0: <laughs>
1: the third time up he hits a third home run and his mom says that's anybody's <laughs> i i got a kick out of his mom and her excitement about odeby's playing career i th- i believe that his parents were both uh still alive by the time that he was inducted in the college baseball hall of fame but that three home run game against stanford was uh, a big one for odeby and that season was huge. He did that a lot, hitting tons of home runs, uh, 23 home runs, 74 RBIs, 36 steals, 17 triples. As a leadoff hitter, he hit 405. So
0: just an amazing wow. season
1: in 1984.
0: And won the Golden Spikes that year. So the college baseball version of the Heisman Trophy over other finalists like Mark McGuire, Rafael Palmero, Barry Larkin. That's what an incredible season, 405 as a leadoff hitter. It's, that's awesome. And that kind of career,
1: those two All America seasons, enough to get him uh, enshrined in the College Baseball Hall of Fame in 2011, and also get him drafted in the first round, the 12th pick in the draft, two spots after Mark McGuire. <laughs> but on his sixth time getting drafted, he finally signed. I guess he didn't really have a choice after that but he signed with the rangers and this rangers team was pretty bad but they were very excited about odeby they said that his size was actually an advantage because of the small strike zone but compared him to joe morgan and also said he's quick like tim
0: raines so pretty good company to be compared to going into 1984 you mentioned the 1984 olympics team and this is one of the best amateur teams ever assembled and odaby is is a star on this team and he was
1: the starting center fielder for the 1984 U.S. Olympic team, team that had Barry Larkin, Hall of Famer, Will Clark, Mark McGuire, Bobby Witt, Mike Dunn, who keeps coming up on this <laughs> program, Bradley University alum Mike Dunn. And Odeby, again, is the star of the show. Will Clark was quoted as saying that all of us thought it would be a real surprise if Odeby didn't make it. They all thought he was the both the team leader and best player on the team.
0: Now, in 1984, baseball was not an official sport in the Olympics. It was just a demonstration sport, Olympics held in Los Angeles. And so this ended up being a pretty big deal. On and off, it had been a demonstration sport. In the 80s, it was
1: a big deal. And we haven't gotten to any of the 88 tops Olympic cards, but we will at some point, especially being played in LA. They expected huge crowds, 50,000 plus fans at Dodger Stadium to watch these Olympic Games In the lead-up to the Olympic Games, the U.S. team did a pre-Olympics tour, and they played a bunch of the teams that they would play in the Olympics. So they played seven games against Japan. They played against Korea. They went 28-4-1 on this national tour preceding the games. But between June 16th and July 23rd, they played those 33 games. They only had four days off. So they would play exhibition games every day. Basically, waking up at 4 a.m. to go to the next city—it it seemed like kind of a, a harrowing experience for these guys. <laughs> they played in 30 plus cities, just kind of. And were, they pay- were they getting uh, paid? Were they getting paid? No, and that's part of the right
0: because they couldn't because they were Olympic athletes. So back then, it was all amateur. So they made them play like 33 games in 37 days for no pay. And I'm I'm not exactly sure how that works because
1: Odeby was drafted in June of that year if he signed his contract before or had to wait till after. But yeah, so these guys not getting paid, traveling, living on cold cuts. It didn't seem like a, a fun experience, probably a meaningful experience to play in the Olympics. But Mark McGuire said that he wouldn't do it again. It also took away a summer of minor league baseball for these players, particularly those who had been drafted. A lot of times will go straight from the draft to rookie league. Instead, they're playing in 30 different cities throughout the United States.
0: In the end, this dream team, as Maguire called it, makes it to the gold medal game, but loses to Japan in a huge upset. You know, they had already played Japan seven times, as you said, during the tour. But, you know, you got to think that after playing 30 plus games in a little over a month that they're exhausted by the end of it.
1: And they had played really well in the Olympic games. They went three and zero and outscored opposition 30 to two in the
0: group stage games, and then lost in that final to Japan. So Odeby though, he does miss out on the 1984 minor league season, but he's an Olympian. He gets to go then to spring training in 1985. And that takes us to the fun fact. And that is Odeby at, at triple a Oklahoma city in 1985 that Odeby was selected as American Association Player of the Month at Oklahoma City during May of 1985. It also, below it, talks about him being the first-round draft selection by scout Harley Anderson. So I want to make sure to get scout Harley Anderson in there. That
1: 1985 season at Oklahoma City, he hit 400 over 31 games. Coming out of spring training, it's not common for a guy to be sent immediately to AAA, but... Odeby was ready
0: yeah no doubt <laughs> so and then get and gets his call up in 1985
1: yes his first season as a pro I like these cards where there's only a few lines of text this is kind of like a Pete Incavelia's card where there was no minor leagues this one there's only one line of minor leagues and then he goes to the Rangers hits 18 home runs good for second on the team in 1985 he hits only 239 and is striking out kind of a lot 85 strikeouts in 111 games. Also had 25 stolen bases. Good enough for fourth in the rookie of the year voting.
0: Yeah, he hit for the cycle that year. It was the first first Texas Ranger to do that in their first 14 years of existence it looks like.
1: And these Rangers teams weren't very good. They went 62 and 99 that season, but they called up this young exciting first round draft pick, highly touted, fast and athletic. There must have been like some excitement among Rangers fans that this was going to be the start of something different.
0: Yeah. And, and 86, they turned things around. So we talked about Pete Ankevelia during this time and Charlie Hoff in 1986 you know, he has a great season as well, and they finish second in the AL West. They're only five games back. Odeby plays 154 games in 1986, and his average is a little bit better. Not great, but 266. He
1: again hit 18 home runs and stole 33 bases, but there were some signs that maybe not everything is going great. He struck out 112 times, mm. he also was caught stealing 15 times. But his 105 runs were eighth in the American League. So, a pretty good season for a second campaign for Odeby.
0: That takes us to 1987 and the last line that's on the card here. It's a, it's a pretty big fall off because he only plays 128 games as an average that drops back down to 241. And it's still, almost 100 strikeouts, 99 strikeouts. You know, things just aren't getting better here. This season started
1: off ominously for Odeby. He, he missed time due to a butter cutting incident.
0: Wait, wait, what? (laughs) There was a. Wait, can you say that again?
1: Yeah, he. All of this is like a red leather, yellow leather, a butter cutting incident. (laughs) No, what? (laughs) He cut his finger and required eight stitches in a butter cutting
0: incident. David, I don't know if the listeners at home can tell that my jaw is on the floor. Were there further details about how how on earth that happened?
1: The old, this article that I found had the headline: McDowell cuts finger. Which <laughs> oh my is a good headline. It, this was at a welcome back luncheon in April. The team is on a road trip. Comes back to Texas. And they're having a luncheon and he cut his finger to the extent that he needed eight stitches that is that's some difficult butter what kind of knife was he using for butter
0: i don't know i think when i think back of all the the most difficult or problematic butter that i've seen i think that what comes to mind immediately is at riot fest every year in chicago when they will have a butter sculpture of john stamos and that's, in many years, they've got the sculptor there live sculpting the bust of John Stamos.
1: Well, that's, and that's a an homage to the state fair butter cows that mm-hmm. places like Springfield have the state fair with these intense butter cow sculptures. I guess you have to keep it cold enough that it holds its form. Maybe it was a a butter sculpture of Pete Caviglia that he was carving
0: off. I'd like to think that that was it. But I, because otherwise if it was just a pad of butter, this is this is very strange. So, according to the article, it looks like there were more injuries than just his finger though. He missed 5 games
1: due to the the stitches, and then later that season he also had a sprained ankle, a shoulder injury, bruised ribs, and Bobby Valentine is praising him for his heart and talking about how great it is that he's playing with a sprained ankle. And it comes off as a little bit unfortunate, knowing what ended up happening with Odeby's career, that that, that in 1986, that was the only time in his career he played over 150 games, and the injuries just kind of caught up with him, and he wasn't able, able to get back on track. But instead, they're saying, he's got great heart playing with a sprained ankle out there. Well, maybe you should have let him heal and then you wouldn't ruin a guy's career. Also that season, he, Matt, as you said, his average dropped. He only hit 14 home runs, which we've gone through the power surge of 1987 where you have guys who never hit 30 home runs before suddenly just blasting off. Odeby instead went from hitting 18 home runs to only 14. So in what everybody was hitting, 20 plus home runs and Odeby's power fell off. He also only had twenty four steals that season, so a little bit disappointing.
0: Yeah, so that does not portend well for for Odeby. And in nineteen eighty eight, things get even worse. He ends up getting demoted after hitting just two hundred five by June. Gets sent down to Triple A and had to spend a few weeks at Oklahoma City to get things on track. He ended up getting recalled.
1: Hits two eighty eight in July and three hundred three in August. But at this point in his career. The Rangers have seen, I think, all they need to know about Odeby. They know that he can't hit lefties. He's regularly hitting 220 against lefties or worse, not really hitting for any power against lefties. All of his power is coming off of right-handed pitchers. By the end of that season, at age 26, the Rangers are ready to cut bait on their future star.
0: It's disappointing. It's sad. So December 6th of 1988, Odeby is included in a trade with Jerry Brown, not the governor of California, but the other Jerry Brown, and Pete O'Brien, not that Pete O'Brien, the other Pete O'Brien. Yeah, not the guy you know, Pete O'Brien. Right. They're all traded to Cleveland for Julio Franco, who we discussed uh, earlier this season. Now, Franco went on to be an all-star the next three seasons in Texas and and played forever. <laughs> like, played May still be playing now at at age sixty, but Odeby only played three hundred and seventeen more games in the major leagues.
1: Yes, he trailed off a bit in nineteen eighty nine in Cleveland. He hit two twenty two in the first half of nineteen eighty nine. His on base percentage and slugging percentage both under three hundred, and in mid season he was traded to Atlanta for Dion James, and he turned it around. He hit 304 that second half of the season, seven home runs, 15 steals. That's a half of an Oda B. McDowell season, a good one. And in the offseason, Bill James said that this trade was a steal for Atlanta. Oda B. McDowell is back on track. He's this athletic, dynamic player, great fielder, and Deion James was just average.
0: Yeah, I remember... I lived in Atlanta during this time and so I remember Oda B. McDowell playing for the Braves during this time, but I don't remember it lasting long. <laughs> That's
1: you're right. In nineteen ninety he was released after hitting two forty three and he was only twenty seven. And it looked like he was done.
0: Yeah. So he bounced around the minors for a few seasons, Baltimore, California, back to Texas and Played in the AA affiliate for Texas in 1993, hit 342, and that was his first time ever playing the AA because, you know, he skipped AA the first time around. And he was good enough to get bumped back up to AAA in
1: 1994 and made it back to the big leagues, which is an interesting thing on baseball reference to see a break between 1990 and 1994, and you wonder what happened there? Was this guy injured that whole time and came back? And no, he just, as a established player, went back to the minor leagues and knew that he had to work on something to get it to get back to the to the majors. He ended up playing in 59 games in that 1994 season, hit two sixty-two as a bench player, and sadly, that season was stopped short due to the strike.
0: And so, 1995, he. Played in AAA for the Yankees, but retired after that. So for seven years in his pro career, his overall average was 253 with 74 homers, 169 steals. And what can you say to to close the book on the on the major league career? Just seems like someone who had promise, but only seemed to be marginally good enough to play in the majors. Those first
1: three seasons with Texas, he averaged 17 home runs and 27 steals. That's good. That's like a half of an eric davis Uh, that's that's a a really good if he could get a good average that's a, a good center fielder for the mid 80s unfortunately 64 of his 74 home runs came off of righties while only 10 of them came off lefties and he only hit 224 versus lefties in his career so 30 plus points worse against lefties the Rangers used him as a platoon at some points because he just never really got the hang
0: of it and never could hit lefties. Yeah, it makes it pretty tough when half of the pitching, you have a tough time hitting against. So that ends his career as a player. Let's talk about his retirement.
1: He was an instructor at the Ray Burris School of Baseball in Arlington, Texas. Ray Burris was a former player. I didn't find a lot on this. He also served as a motivational speaker and went into coaching coaching high school baseball in Florida, first at Everglades High School. And that return to Florida brings us to one of the stranger internet sports reporting stories that I can remember. And that is Oda B. McDowell's Water Bill.
0: I did not hear anything about this at the time. If I had, I would have become obsessed with it. But tell us about this series of detailed articles that Deadspin started doing About Oda B. McDowell's water bill. Deadspin
1: got a tip in February 2011 that Broward County, Florida didn't require a password to look at water bills online. And they found the utility bill for Oda B. McDowell, who was living in Broward County, coaching baseball. And so once a month, they would just post Oda B. McDowell's water bill is blank dollars this month. And they would post it as breaking news. But it was always presented straightforward. So the first one was breaking news. Oda B. McDowell's water bill is eighty-eight dollars and sixty-one cents this month. And then they would just say nothing really about it. Just that's his bill. Sometimes he would have a late payment. In August of twenty eleven, relief. Oda B. McDowell has paid his overdue water bill and this month's water bill is only fifty-nine (laughs) thirty-nine. Heading into 2012, Oda B. McDowell's water bill is once again past due. And (laughs) it was never presented in a mean-spirited way. I think it was presented in a straightforward, joking way that I found delightful. And after 13 months, Broward County Public Works decided, maybe we should put these things behind a password so that you can't find out how much water Oda B. McDowell is or is not using and Deadspin then had to post the oral history of Oda B. McDowell's water bill.
0: I like the spirit of this, but I have to say, David, I'm disappointed. And one aspect of it is that it's it smacks of a little bit of exploitation of people's private lives. And maybe this is just an American view of privacy. And that the most mundane things I don't think should be public to everybody because they could be used for nefarious purposes. And in general... People don't need to know these things about you. I know that in other cultures, it's it's different. They'd say, well, n- no, anything that's a public record, we can display what's public. Then in fact, having more visibility of all of the public records leads to better security and safety. So I feel a little bit conflicted on this saga by Deadspin, not to mention that as part of the whole Gawker empire, I- exploiting celebrities of different countries. Types, or at least accusations of that. So I think that I'm glad that this saga is over and that Oda B. McDowell can consume public services without anyone else reporting on it.
1: I understand that concern. I thought that it was a funny thing at the time, but my initial response was also, why is this public? And mm-hmm. I-, I hope that through that reporting and through that ridiculousness of, of this storyline, That that was part of the reason why Broward County said, this shouldn't be public. We shouldn't know when Oda B. McDowell has a $40 overdue water bill. Whatever, sometimes we forget to pay our water bills, and Oda B. McDowell should not be shamed for... And they didn't present it like it was a shame. It was just presented as, this is he has an overdue water bill and owes $59. But I understand that that concern. But I, I thought it was so innocuous because... It's his water bill. We all are basically using the same amount of water unless he's washing multiple dogs or cars, but uh, Oda B. McDowell seemed to use a normal amount of water. Well, that is a relief.
0: Let's, let's wrap this up by talking about what Oda B. McDowell is doing now, because it looks like he is, is successful as a coach uh, to this day. He is
1: back at his alma mater, MacArthur high school in Hollywood, Florida, 2021 will be his seventh season as head coach of the MacArthur High School baseball team. In 2019, they made the state tournament for the first time. And I found this interview with a pitcher, George Hernandez. He threw a no-hitter to get the team to the state's Final Four. And it's really a great little video with Odeby standing next to his pitcher who just threw a complete game no-hitter to make school history And Odeby is clearly so proud, but also kind of pulling this pitcher back into the frame and not letting him get out of the frame. Because you know, as a former athlete, the newsman probably wants to talk to Odeby, but he wants his player in that picture and wants to celebrate with that player. And he's clearly just so proud of his player, his team, his school, and he wanted to give back to that school. That same team had a guy named Jordis Valdez. And Jordis Valdez was drafted in the second round by Cleveland in 2019. I thought it was really neat that you have this kid coached by one of the highest touted draftees who knows a lot about being drafted and knows about waiting for a good offer and waiting for the right place and dealing with high expectations. And Jordis Valdez signed a $1 million bonus with Cleveland. And Valdez had come to the United States as a five-year-old and I really hope it works out for him. He, he hit, I think 180 in his first year in the minors, but he was 17. So I hope that things (laughs) uh, turn out for Jordis Valdez and he becomes a a, a regular big leaguer, but I thought it was really neat to see Odeby go back to his high school and bring kids to the next generation of ballplayers.
0: That's a great story to wrap it up with. And by all accounts, Odeby seems like a great guy.
1: I watched the interview with him. at his 2011 College Hall of Fame induction. He just seems like a really down-to-earth, nice guy. He still has a mustache. He said that that's (laughs) changed a little bit, that it's now grayer. There were great expectations for Odeby McDowell coming out of Arizona State. He didn't have the career that Barry Bonds had, but he had a solid pro career, and he's a solid leader, and now he's... Passing on that experience to the next generation.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you, David. And thank you to Adam for the suggestion. We would love your suggestions. You can email us at 1988topspodcast at gmail.com. If you've ever carved a butter John Stamos or Dave Coulier, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at Tops1988. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.